do it. Whatever it is, especially if it's crazy. I also remember when I was a kid and I got into it in school. I went to go pick up a chair and throw it, and they try to label me as a person. <laughs> that was crazy. <laughs> did that in sixth grade. I did that when I was like, uh, I was upset, and I thought maybe if I threw a chair, I would get some attention. I did get attention. I got suspended. Right? And that's the most disrespectful <laughs> thing they do to you. When you get suspended, they tell you that you have to sit in class with the first and second grade kids, and then they give you paper, they give you work on top of it. So everyone sees you. Right, you're in this corner on this little chair, and you eat lunch with them, and you're going everywhere with them. One of the most embarrassing things you ever have to go through when you, when you get suspended at the time. I don't know about what it is now. I think you get expelled now. But at the time, you would go through with that, and then you you start to recognize that you know what? I want to be with my kid. I want to be with my friends. I want to be in my class. It, I guess it was a way of trying to out you. And separate you and point you out again. Look at this guy. He's a big kid with these little kids. What's he doing? Hello there. This is The Truth of the Matter is episode number 20, where we believe that we all face hardships of some kind. In our lives, and just you never know the struggle a person is going through. The truth of the matter is, behind every smile, there's a story of a personal struggle. So, the theme for today is to set an example of kindness in spite of how people may treat you. I'm your host, Daniel. And of course, I'm here with the usual suspect. Mr. Jonathan, how's it going? Why, why do I have to be a suspect then? That's a good question. But you know, people may be suspecting if it's a guest or if it's somebody new, but then they find out it's just you and they get a little sad. Yeah. <laughs> so it's sad to hear my voice. Okay. <laughs> yeah. No, I'm okay. I'm sure everybody gets a warm feeling in their heart when you hear your voice come up on the mic after the. Yeah, man, I'm here to stay. So if you guys don't like me, you got to get used to me. All right. So, well, um, do you have the fourth volume for us today? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. You know, so for fourth me, volume of um hoop details this week. What? This is not a joke this week, Daniel. It's not a joke this no, week. No, because very serious matter. Yeah. So yeah, you know, it's it's been a rough week for me, man. Car issues. You know, and as for you, if this, as for people out there, if this is your first time giving us a listen, what we like to practice here is transparency. So the truth of the matter is, you know, we're not financially well off here. You know, we're talking about real life issues. We're taking it one day at a time, like the rest of the world. We're regular jokes, okay? And the honest reality is, you know, I've been having some car issues and. I'm going to be at a commission for at least two to three weeks, maybe an additional two to three days. And I had to order a part from the dealership from online for my vehicle. And it's going to take a while for it to actually get here. And for some strange reason, there's a lot of places out there that are experiencing some shortages. And Mm. I couldn't place my order on express shipping because... There's some issues in terms of getting it out to the customers. So he told me to just use regular shipping and it's going to take a while for me to even get it. So not too happy about that, you know. But the reality is, is that I have to be patient, you know. I have to realize that this might be an opportunity for me to take things slow and realize that I have to do some reflecting and start looking at life maybe in a different perspective. It's crazy you mentioned that. Um, you know, it's been a it's been a pretty rough week for my for me as well. Okay. Um, I lost one of my jobs off of an accusation that wasn't true. Mm-hmm. I couldn't fight it, so I was out of commission for a week. It's funny how that happened around the same time, and 
a lot of people I think would be upset. It's funny because uh, most people I knew were upset about it mm-hmm. more than I was. But I really appreciated the time of you mentioned being able to take things slow. Mm-hmm. And the time I got to actually just sit down and reflect on things, because I've been going 70, 80 hour weeks, nonstop, five months. So just being able to sit back and really reflect on things, it it, it was nice, you know? Yeah, I, I appreciate it. You know, it's times like these that in life you must stay positive and control what you can control. You know, no reason mm-hmm. for getting upset, right? None of what's happening hasn't been foreseen or seen by God. You know, he saw it. He recognizes it. He knows that we are his children. He wants what's best for us. So we have to understand that in life you have your ups and your downs. In life it's like a roller coaster, right? It's how you mm-hmm. choose to respond, not react, that determines the type of person you will be in life. And if you are built for the test of the times. What do you mean by if you are built for the test of time? Well, time is something that you, that you really can't escape, right? It's something that continues to run regardless to the way that you feel. You can't stop it. Whether you choose to be, to be productive or waste time, that clock continues to tick, right? Time is unchangeable. There are 60 seconds in a minute, 1,440 minutes in a day, 365 days in a year. That, my friend, will not change. You can't expect to remain in a period of time where things are going to be exactly the same. Sometimes they're shifting parts. Sometimes you're being asked to move to another level. Sometimes you realize that certain things aren't your calling. So you move in and you change what it is that you've been doing. And you sometimes find out what your purpose is and where you're, what direction that you should be moving in. So when I talk about being built for the test of time, regardless what is happening in time itself, the question becomes, are you managing yourself in that second, in that minute of the day, even in the year? You know, pain, frustration, is hurt is temporary. So is excitement, relief, and happiness, right? So we must be aware of what is happening and maintaining an understanding of life and what it takes to maneuver through it. That is what I would call standing the test of time. Mastering life is recognizing what you can control and what you can't. And rolling with the punches, something I think you would have a better understanding of, you know, dealing with the fact that you're a huge fan of boxing. So the part, the point is, is that you have to do the best that you can with the hand you are dealt and make it work, baby. That's it. Anything you want to add to some of the things I suggested for the people out there that are probably going through the same stuff we're going through? Um, Just pay attention to signs, mm-hmm. I would say. There's a lot of um signs that you get before tragedy takes place or before the tests may come. Mm-hmm. And it's your ability to respond to those things correctly that may allow you to avoid things from happening or... Even when they do occur, for you to be able to roll with the punch better. Um, a lot of us may not recognize when life has given us size. So we have to repeat the cycle in order for us to see if we learn from it or not. Like, I feel like when you fail the test, you're going to have to keep taking it. And these tests will continue to repeat themselves, repeat themselves until you are able to level up and move on to the next level until you're ready to move on to the next level. I agree with that. That's a good point. You have to recognize certain things because if you don't, like you said, you will continue to repeat the history of running into the same issues if you don't recognize what it is. Same thing in relationships, same thing with people who don't mean you any good. If you have not analyzed and considered the people that are around you that are either bringing you up or tearing you down, and you're going through the same things, then it's something that you're not doing right. You have to check under your hood, so to speak, Mm -hmm. with my car. And I guess my advice out there is for people who are looking to get cars, wherever predicament you're in, be made, I want you to be well aware that, you know, having a car is like taking care of a child. It's your responsibility to maintain it, keep it upright. 
because if you don't, it will fail you. And a lot of times it's not your fault. Sometimes it's wear and tear on certain parts in the car. But just I want people to understand that having a car is a huge responsibility. And there's much more to it than putting the key in the ignition, turning it on, then driving it away. You got oil changes, transmission, washing it. There's so many things you have to be on alert for. So just like in everything in life, you have to take care of it and maintain take care of your gear and your gear will take care of you yep but um that being said should we um get into prayer yeah yeah i I got something interesting that we're going to talk about today simple but i think it's necessary so let's start prayer heavenly father in the name of jesus you said that when two or three are gathered in your name there you are in the midst so we thank you for this free access and opportunity that we have when we pray to be in your presence when we pray is truly a privilege and a blessing. So, Lord, we ask for understanding as we dive into your word. We pray for processing. And for those who give this episode listen, we want them to know that we're here for them. And that we're trying to pour life into them. More importantly, Lord, we want to know. We want to let them know that some of the teachings that you have provided sometimes are hard and others may not understand it or get it. However, we want people to understand that your word is true. It's foundational. It's all that we need in this world. And on that note, for all those in agreement, we say these things in Jesus name we pray. Amen. Amen. So. Obviously, last week I did an episode on praying and I hope that. Some of the suggestions I've made can be helpful to allow some of us to grow in our prayer life. And, you know, my point of sharing that is to give people the understanding that prayer should be a conversation. It should be a conversation. You should be comfortable. There should never be a point in your life where praying for other people or praying with people is uncomfortable. That means you need to spend more time with God. So for those who have gave it a listen and appreciated some of the things I shared, I appreciate you and, you know, spread the word. We all should not be uncomfortable talking to God. And on that note, we're going to get started with today and we're going to look at Luke chapter six. So we're staying in six, but we're going down a couple verses and we're going to unpack Luke six. Verses 27 through 36. So, Daniel, take it away. We're going to break this down a bit. So, go ahead. To you who are listening, I say, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who mistreat you. If someone slaps you on one cheek, turn to them the other also. If someone takes your coat, do not withhold your shirt from them. Give to everyone who asks you. And if anyone takes what belongs to you, do not demand it back. Do to others as you will have them do to you. If you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who are good to you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners do that. And if you lend to them from whom you expect repayment, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners, expecting to be repaid in full. But love your enemies, do good to them, and lend to them without expecting to get anything back. Then your reward will be great, and you will be children of the Most High, because He is kind to the ungrateful and wicked. Be merciful, just as your Father is merciful. Alright, good job, Daniel. So let's unpack this, right? Love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, pray for those who mistreat you. So in my humble opinion, 
The reason why, as you know, believers, we must love our enemies and do good to those who hate us and bless those who curse us and pray for those who mistreat us is because there's obviously something wrong with the person who obviously has decided to act out like that, right? Psychologically, there's something going on that they have decided to take their frustration out on you. Right? It's their responsibility to try and make sense of what the reality is. It's our responsibility to recognize that they're in this reality at the moment. And they don't give in that you shouldn't allow them to come at you in that way and get a reaction from you. But instead, don't give in to the way that they are viewing their life. But instead, we are responsible for being patient, right? We have to do. We have to because we don't want to be reciprocating that behavior, right? And when we don't do that, it forces them to reevaluate their own behavior. So let's go down a lane of historical truths to help me expand upon what I've just mentioned, right? It's important to know that Martin Luther King was a theologian. Now, for those who don't know what theologian is, a theologian is a person who engages or is an expert in theology, right? Let me repeat that. A theologian is a person who engages or is an expert in theology. Now, theology is the study of the nature of God. It's the study of the nature of God. And there are four different types of theology, right? There's historical theology, there's systematic theology, or dogmatic theology, which is kind of the same thing, but along those same lines. Historical theology, systematic or dogmatic theology, there's practical theology, and lastly, the one I think that matters the most is, and is what you will hear most on this podcast is biblical theology, right? Now... Keep in mind, Martin Luther King reflected often on his understanding of nonviolence, right? And I believe his introduction on nonviolence came from an essay written by Henry David called The Civil Disobedience, right? These are some things that anyone can go and research and look up and do some reading on, right? And he wrote a book called Stride Towards Freedom, right? And in this book, he says something interesting, and that was, is it courageous to face evil confrontation with the power of love? And, you know, I think that's a legitimate question to ask because Martin Luther King just refused, right? This is his action. He refused to cooperate with an evil system that was causing so much chaos and division, right? And he can attribute that because he experienced a lot of that growing up in Atlanta and witnessing segregation and racism every day so this wasn't something that he saw from a distance this wasn't something that he read in a story or watched on the tv show he experienced it live he was in the middle of it in fact you know martin martin luther king believed that a combination of christianity doctrine and love shared by jesus christ operating through the Gandhian method of nonviolence, which was really something that was a biblical teaching, and we'll get to that in a second, right? He believed that that combination was the way to go, was the approach to have. Now, let's understand something here, right? Nonviolence was not Gandhi's invention. It wasn't. He, however, is called the father of nonviolence because many people believe historically he raised nonviolence into an action and he took it to a whole nother level, right? And that whole nother level was achieved historically. Now, that's true. And that's why I think it's something that should be a highly respectable opinion, right? And I can leave it at that. But another important thing that we also have to understand is that Gandhi married a woman, but at the same time decided that Sleeping with women outside of his marriage was the better way. See, there's some twisted theology there. And again, anyone can go read this stuff. But Gandhi had this belief that having sex with his woman who he was married to, there was something wrong with that. 
and therefore he thought the appropriate way to express his love was outside of his marriage. And that the clean, the cleansest way of being in a marriage is not having sex. Don't know where he got that theology from. And to be fair, Martin Luther King was also a womanizer. So the most important thing that I think we should take out of this is that when Jesus appeared, he was teaching the things he was teaching. Wasn't married. And the scripture is very clear. When there was a woman who was committing, I believe she was sleeping with other other uh, men at the time, prostitution, and they went to stone her. One of the things Jesus said is that he who was at, who is without sin cast the first stone, and they all dropped the stone. Right, they all dropped the stone because they knew that all of them were. At one point, could and will be convicted of sin. But something interesting came up when Jesus was talking. Jesus said, Has anyone ever found me or convicted me of sin? And the answer was no. So it's important that we understand that Jesus was no ordinary man. He wasn't committing sin, none in which people could prove and point out to like any other regular man. So understand that us as human beings, we make mistakes all the time. And I think the most important thing is, is that we love to point out the success that someone is, but we don't look at the reflection of the lifestyle that they live. Right. So historically we will always recognize certain people for how they have changed society at large. However, what makes somebody worthy of following and being the disciple of, is not just the life in which you've changed on a large spectrum, but it's the person and the integrity and the character that maintains and supports who they are. That's more valuable than anything else. Now, let's get back on point to some of the things I'm talking about from a historical standpoint. So importance of love was one of the most potent weapons available to oppressed people in a struggle for freedom during the time of segregation in the late 1900th century and in the 1915s. So one of the more important things that I want to bring up is King's six key principles of nonviolence. Dane, would you mind reading those six? Well, the first one was one can resist evil without resorting to violence. Number two was Nonviolence seeks to win the friendship and understanding of the opponent, not to humiliate them. Third would be, evil itself, not the people, committing evil acts should be opposed. Four, those committed to nonviolence must be willing to suffer without retaliation, as suffering itself can be redemptive. Five, nonviolent resistance avoids external physical violence and internal violence of spirit as well. That was a little complex. The nonviolence resistor not only refuses to shoot his opponent, but he also refuses to hate him. Let me say that one more time. The nonviolent resistor not only refuses to shoot his opponent, but he also refuses to hate him. The resistor should be motivated by love and the sense of the Greek work. A gap, which means understanding. It's Appa, by goodwill. the way. Appa. Thank you. You know, that ain't my first language. Or redeeming goodwill for all men. And the sixth principle is that the non-violent resistor must have a deep faith in the future, stemming from the conviction that the universe is on the side of justice. Yeah, so those are obviously, some of them are extremely complex, but I just wanted to point you to that some of the principles biblically helped and assisted him, and obviously some of the prior, the knowledge that he received of some of the books he read, because I believe he went to Moron College. I could be mistaken, but I think he went to Morehouse. So that's just some of the things he leaned on to help create his approach to dealing with the violence and the segregation that was going on in his time. 
But I want to, again, relate this back to scripture because these things have to be applied in our everyday life, right? The whole point is to be practical, but be practical from a biblical perspective. And that's what we're going to do here. So let's continue to break down Luke 6, 27 to 36. So let's look at the next verse here. And I think a lot of us are curious about it. So let's get into it, Daniel. If someone slaps you on one cheek, turn to them the other also. If someone takes your coat, do not withhold your shirt from them. Give to everyone who asks you. And if anyone takes what belongs, do not demand it back. So let's take a look at this verse here. And I'm sure there's some questions about it. But if someone slaps you on one cheek, turn to them the other cheek. This is my assessment, right? Sometimes don't view that verse or don't view certain verses literal, right? Another verse is, if one hand causes you to sin, cut it off. So does that mean I cut my hand off that causes me to sin? It's a, it's a well. <laughs> maybe old old school terms is like an eye for an eye, that sort of thing. Uh, it's not biblical, but there are phrases that are out there that some people, you know, they take literal. But you have to use common sense. I know common sense is not common, but we have to look at verses not always in a literal sense. Right. So I would say don't view that verse in a little sense. Instead, view it as a convenient excuse for inaction, which is an irrationalization for being passive and accepting whatever injustices or unfair treatments we may witness or experience in any given moment. So basically what you do is you allow a person with a conscience. Right. This is what happens when you don't retaliate, when you don't react right we respond not react when you don't do that basically what you're doing is you're allowing a person with a conscience to have the ability to think about what's going on and recognize how wrong they are and we only hope right we only hope that they apologize and do better now there's a scripture for that right there's a scripture for everything you just have to find it and read it in the proper context so when we go to Peter, chapter 3, verse 9, it tells you, Do not repay evil with evil, insult with insult. On the contrary, repay evil with blessing, because to this you were called so that you may inherit a blessing. It's a deep verse, right? Very hard to live it out. Mm -hmm. We're being real here. We need to rewire how we respond to things. It's not about reaction. Don't lean on your first impulse, right? Say that one more time. Don't lean on your first impulse. Instead, it's about having a kingdom of approach, which takes time, right? But God understands. What do you mean by uh, a kingdom approach? Yeah, exactly. What do you, what do you mean by that? So a, a kingdom approach is an approach where, for an example, right? There's this verse in James where it says, everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to mm. become angry because anger does not produce the righteousness that God our Father desires. Right? One of the verses that that in action that took place is when Jesus was getting arrested by the religious leaders. Peter took out a sword and cut one of the men's ear off. And Jesus responded to him and said, am I not reading a riot? That's not what I'm doing here. Right? He was fulfilling prophecy, but the point is, is you don't take the negative approach that someone has and you feed it. That's not what you do. That's never been the answer. Right? Having a kingdom approach is loving your neighbor as yourself. Right? The same way you love the Lord your God with your heart, mind, soul, and strength. You love your neighbor as yourself. Those are the two commandments that sum up all the commandments. By doing that in itself, you won't kill. You won't steal. You won't covet. You won't do a lot of things, right? Love is the key. Love never fails. That verse, when it says love is patient, love is kind, is not envy, is not boasted, is not proud. 
It does. It doesn't dishonor others. It keeps no records of wrong, but it always trusts, always hopes, always protects. Love never fails. That's a very hard thing to do. However, those are the things that you're supposed to do. Violence, all it does is it creates chaos, division, issues, problems. You at one another's throat, right? That's not what you want, but that's what the devil wants. He wants you to be at one another's throat. He wants you to kill each other. He wants you to murder each other. He wants you to hold grudges against each other. You have to be the bigger person in trying to settle things, right? Jesus also said that if you have a gift and you're at the altar, but there's something wrong with a relationship that you have with a brother or sister, he says, leave your gift at the altar and go make it right. So it's all about being individuals that are peacemakers, right? Blessed are the peacemakers. So that's what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to keep the peace. We're supposed to be on one another positively. Because that's how you create a happy home, a happy family, a happy relationship, friendship, whatever it is. It's always about being understanding, empathetic. So kingdom mindset is about love. Right? Right? Kingdom, the scripture also says that it says that the the kingdom, he said, what's it like being in the kingdom? He said it's righteousness, peace, love, and the Holy Spirit. So those are the things you have to have. Righteousness, joy, peace, and love, and the Holy Spirit. So that's the reason, that's the type of mindset you have to have. That's the type of mindset you want to have. Right? And obviously, we understand that's not hard, right? It's not. It's, it's very difficult. So we have to be better at that, right? When we look at verses that say to give to everyone who... Now, let's let's break down the next verses. What is there anything you want to ask? No, let's make a statement was, about? No, that was, that was pretty thorough. Yeah, so it's the right... It's about having an approach that's about keeping the peace and addressing the things that matter and when you see chaos flowing understand that you don't add to the fire it just blows up in your face when is it ever yeah, sometimes point? you know what happened sometimes you be ready so sometimes you be ready to go outside yeah but head, a lot of people know? that's your flesh talk good it's that's what i'm saying it's not easy to have a kingdom approach when Somebody's in your face telling you mm-hmm. something you don't like and you, you want to go outside their head. Mm-hmm. I um, use this example all the time, right? I was mm-hmm. doing a delivery one time and I parked my car in a bike lane. Now, should I have parked the bike, the park, should I have parked my bike in a, in the park my bike? I got to fix that. It's okay. Should I have yeah, should parked, you have my parked car? your car? Huh? Should you have parked your car in the bike Yes. Yeah, should I have parked my car and a bike lane. No. Right? But I did it anyway at the time because I was in and out. I was doing the drive. <laughs> and this guy is riding in a bike lane. And he goes, You blink, 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 blink. You blink, 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 blink. This is supposed to be for the bikes. The bikers. This is supposed to be bikers. What are you doing? And in that moment, I had my order and I said, If I just run him over, Right, that'll end everything. Right, I run him over. He had to pick himself off the ground. I keep moving. He won't have no consciousness to see what my license plate is, and then come after me. But what did I do? I was quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to become angry. I was wrong. Should never park my car in the bike lane. However, if he saw that I was doing what I was doing, I was working. I was dropping an order off. He would have never did that. But he felt the need to express his frustration. I received it. And I let him go ahead. Right? All he was going to do is give me a verbal lashing. And that's the end of the conversation. So I allowed it. Right? He didn't like stop the bike and come talk. 
right? And, you know, that's how a lot of people do. They say what they got to say. They're on the move. They don't think you're going to come after them. It's a free country. They don't think there's consequences. But if I was in a bad mood, maybe I'd do something different. But verses like that help you filter out the right approach. So if I was under that first impulse, I'm going after the guy. But no, 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 no. I allow him to go because I realize that's not a fight to go past. You're not going to fight. You're not going to win that. It's over. He said what he wanted to say. You had your order. I was infuriated just a little bit. I was frustrated. But then you know what? I took a deep breath and I said, it's okay. No need to go deal with that. So that's what we have to think about. That's what these verses are about. We have to constantly feed our spirit to respond accordingly. So we're not behind bars and we're not dealing with things that we regret later. Amen. You know what I'm saying? Don't do it. Whatever it is, especially if it's crazy. I also remember when I was a kid and I got into it in school. I went to go pick up a chair and throw it. And they tried to label me as a person. <laughs> I was crazy. <laughs> did that in sixth grade. I did that when I was like, uh, I was upset. And I thought maybe if I threw a chair, I would get some attention. I did get attention. I got suspended. Right? And that's the most disrespectful <laughs> thing they do to you when you get suspended. They tell you that you have to sit in class with the first and second grade kids. And then they give you paper. They give you work on top. Of it. So everyone sees you. Right, you're in this corner on this little chair, and you eat lunch with them, and you're going everywhere with them. One of the most embarrassing things you ever have to go through when you when you get suspended at the time. I don't know about what it is now. I think you get expelled now, but at the time, you would go through with that, and then you you start to recognize that you know what? I want to be with my kid. I want to be with my friends. I want to be in my classes. It, I guess it was a way of trying to out you. And separate you and point you out and get, look at this guy. He's a big kid with these little kids. What's he doing? See, I think that's more effective than what used to happen to me when I got suspended. Yeah. Because they have your in-house suspension with the dude that you beat up. So, yeah, <laughs> that's what loving. they call it, in-house suspension. I used suspension. to love it. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I used to have an in-house suspension, uh, <laughs> seventh grade, ironically, seventh, eighth grade. And they'll put you in there with the guy that you beat up for two to three days. And you got to look at each other. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I was happy because, you know, <laughs> I already gave you work. So, <laughs> yeah, I watch, we're both doing classwork and I get to mm-hmm. get the smile on your face. After what I, that's not the right spirit to have. Um, It's not a kingdom mindset, a kingdom approach. Mm-hmm. Don't be like that. Um, It's childish. That's a seventh, eighth grade mindset. Yeah. I remember. We can do better. It was pretty pathetic for me. And like I said, once I threw that chair, I thought I was Mr. Cool Guy. Like, look at this guy. I was like, rah, rah. And then, you know, I realized having been in a first and second grade classroom, following them everywhere they went, having lunch with them and everything, I realized that you don't do stuff like that. It looks cool in the moment, but the repercussions, it's not, it's not worth it. Yeah. Even when you get yeah. there. All right. Okay, let's let's uh, keep it moving. <laughs> There's a spirit with me today. <laughs> um. <laughs> right? It's always fun to reflect and be like, how silly of a person I was at the time when I did that. Mm-hmm. Okay. So when we look at the verse that says, give to everyone who asks you, or give to everyone who asks you. And if anyone takes what belongs to you, do not demand it back. Do to others as they would do to you. So let's be clear here, right? Don't take it literal. Remember, context matters, right? Do you, right? I don't know what I just said. Don't be like the Pharisees. Yeah, that was weird. Let me repeat that, right? I'm saying, I said, let's be clear here, right? Don't take it literal. Remember, context matters. You do not give to everyone all that you have, right? A biblical verse that will help you understand this verse much better is found in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 6 through 9. Daniel, could you read it? Remember this. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion. 
For God loves a cheerful giver, and God is able to bless you abundantly. So, that in all things at all times, have all that you need. You will abide in every good work, as is written. They have freely scattered their gifts to the poor. Their righteousness endures forever. See, simple, right? If God knows within your heart you can do more, but you don't do more, he's kind of watching, right? God's watching, right? If you want to give, give to what your heart is content to give. Don't overly give expecting something from it, right? That's not what we do here, right? Give in a way with what your heart tells you to give. If you can give more, give more. But be made aware that if you give sparingly, you also reap sparingly. So it's like use common sense. Again, common sense is not common, but be use judgment, right? So let's continue to examine six, you know, Luke six, twenty-seven through thirty-six, Daniel. If you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners love those who love them. If you do good to those who are good to you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners do that. And if you lend to those whom you expect repayment, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners. Expect to be repaid in full, but love your enemies. Do good to them, and lend to them without expecting to get anything back. Then your reward will be great, and you will be children of the Most High, because He is kind to the ungrateful and wicked. Be merciful, just as your father is merciful. Okay, so let's break this down a little bit more, right? Jesus is letting you know that what makes believers different is we do things with good intention, right? There's no benefit of doing something for someone and getting it back. Even unbelievers do that, right? Very self-explanatory there, right? The real test is to love your enemies, do good to them. And lend to them without expecting to get it back. Yep. That's the reality. Then your reward will be great. And you will be children of the most high. Because he is kind to the ungrateful and wicked. Be merciful just as your father is merciful. So show mercy. Like another example that I've had in my life. If someone hit me. In the back. Got out of the car. Is this recent? Uh, I want to call it recent, but this happened in my past, probably twice, three times. Oh, okay. Someone hit me in the back of the car. I checked. There was no damage. And I let him go. And I let her go. Now, if I was bloodthirsty for money, then I would have fell out in the street on my back. You hit my shoulder, my neck. Right? And I'm looking for money. Right? Obviously, when someone does something wrong, got to be merciful i think sometimes in the society that we live in is we don't show grace to one another someone makes a mistake they understand that they made a mistake their heart is probably pumping out of their chest they're worried they're concerned you know if you can try to be understanding do the right thing if it's not a big deal don't stress it you know simple what do you think about that in regards of being merciful to people who do stuff to you? And it's not a big deal. I promise you it is not easy. But it always feels like the right thing to do for me. Like, even if you want to just... You'd be like, you know what? Okay. Let me do the right thing here. I remember... um. When we had a tropical storm that just passed by here, and I believe it was July. Mm-hmm. God knows, I see all these cars and stuff getting stuck on the side of the road, getting stuck on highways, and these people wanted to hitchhike a ride in my Uber that I paid God knows how much money for. And every fiber of my being just wanted to go home and make sure we just get through it, but. The right thing to do is to pick the people up on the side of the road, let them use your fare, and move on. And even though I didn't want to, it was the right thing to do. And even though these people didn't act 
in the most gracious way possible and were very selfish. I was still happy that I made the right decision to not leave somebody on the side of the road where they could have, you know, been abandoned all night or got in more serious trouble. So that's an example for me. All right, cool. So again, right? When you look at these verses, it's about little victories, right? Mm -hmm. It takes time to have a kingdom mindset. It takes time to adjust. It takes time to rewire your thinking, right? It's not mm. something that you just do, boom, right out of the blue. No, it takes time. You have to work towards wanting to build your character up and your mindset and your perspective in a way and shape it in a way that God would approve, right? Mm-hmm. But the good thing is when you're exposed to something like this, there, there's something that requires for you to take action. And, and doing that, that's you moving towards allowing God's word to operate in you and then you operate through it. And the way you do that is it starts with your brothers and sisters. It starts with the people around you. And that's a simple thing. So I want to take a few verses that are necessary and I think we should read. And we'll sort of put a cap on everything that we've sort of talked about today including our personal experiences. So, Daniel, I want you to read Romans 12, 11 through 21. Never let the fire in your heart go out. Keep it alive. Serve the Lord when you hope. Be joyful. When you suffer, be patient. When you pray, be faithful. Share with God's people who are in need. Welcome others into your homes. Bless those who hurt you. Bless them. And do not call down curses on them. Be joyful with those who are joyful. Be sad with those who are sad. Agree with each other. Don't be proud. Be willing to be a friend of people who aren't considered important. Don't think that you are better than others. Don't pay back evil with evil. Be careful to do what everyone thinks is right. If possible, live in peace with everyone. Do that as much as you can. My friends, don't try to get even. Leave room for God to show his anger. It is written, I am the one who judges people. I will pay them back. Okay, let's look at Deuteronomy chapter 32, verse 35. If your enemies are hungry, give them food to eat. If they are thirsty, give them something to drink. By doing those things, you will power up burning coals on their heads. And finally, Proverbs 25, verse 21 through 22. Don't let evil overcome you. Overcome evil by doing good. So again, remember, little victories matter. Start off like that. And it takes time. But look at these verses, reconsider some of the ways in which you operate and talk to your friends and your family and maybe start making adjustments. All right? That's what we are requesting and pointing to. And that's one of the reasons why in the prayer we say processing. Right? Process. And remember, there's never a point in life when two people are at each other's throat. Someone has to give in. Someone has to stop. Because if no one stops, it's going to continue to go. That's why you have to have the better heart in those situations. You have to have the heart that says, hey, find a way to settle these, this, these matters. Find a way to come to a consensus where we can get along. Don't continue to build up the anger and the frustration with the other person that's having that attitude. Because in the end, it won't solve anything. Start being people of nonviolence, 
and be people that want peace. So for today, continuing the same thing, kind to the ungrateful is the devotion. That's the title that I have. And we're going to look again at Luke chapter 6 verse 35. But this time I'm going to read it in the King James Version. It says, love your enemies and your reward shall be great and shall be the children of the high for he is the kind unto the unthankful and to the evil right so this verse distributes disturbs right this verse in my opinion right disturbs many christians it seems so far beyond what they're willing to do they write it off as unrealistic but Jesus said that loving your enemies is proof that you're a child of God, right? Your father loves the unthankful and is kind even to evil people. And as his children, you emulate it, right? You may have difficulties even showing kindness to those who don't express due thankfulness, let alone show love to people who do evil, show no sign of repentance. Yet Jesus, after explaining God's love, loving nature in the verses, right? In various verses and being merciful, right? He doesn't expect you to be an individual to repeat that negative behavior. That's why he asks you to overcome evil with good in Romans, right? Something we just read. He knows that it's difficult and it's something difficult to add. That is why he promises that your reward shall be great for obeying him. So, Father, in the name of Jesus, God, give us all this kind of love. Help us all truly desire to be like you, even in the difficult circumstances. Help us all to have great love for others. And I pray these things in total confidence in who you are, knowing that you're Alpha and Omega, beginning and the end creator of all things and if anything that i ask in is according to your will you will do and we say these things in jesus name we pray amen amen and everyone have a blessed week